0: so it's my turn now. Oh, good. It's almost like I should have paid attention when I was doing the order of service. I thought, you know, with the uh, 10-minute video from Stephen Um, I thought it would be good for us to kind of be able to stand back up a little bit and sing some songs in response to hearing about that that word shalom. So as Pastor Tim introduced uh, earlier, we are starting a series on gospel-shaped mercy. And tonight we're going to be dealing with two different topics. We're going to be dealing with the topic of shalom, and we're going to be dealing with the topic of justice. But intrinsic in the word shalom and in the meaning of shalom, if you didn't pick that up from the video clip that Stephen shared with us, is the fact that the shalom, the peace of God, because it is his blueprint for the world, all of the character and the nature of who God is is tied up in that word, shalom. And so it's very foundational for us in this study. And I think it's very important for us as a congregation to really reflect on this, this concept of gospel shaped mercy and what does the peace of God have to do with all of that. Perhaps you noticed in the video that uh, Stephen shared, there, there's some language in there that we should be familiar with. As a church, we've d- discussed and talked about uh, how. Uh, when Helping Hurts is, is a book that has guided and directed us at our Beacon of Hope ministry and how we desire to show mercy and compassion to those who are in need. And, and the basic tenet of that book is that sin has broken our relationship, our vertical relationship with God, our horizontal relationship with mankind, and because our horizontal relationship with mankind is broken, all of the systems that we have, governments, all of those different kinds of things, school systems, all of these things are flawed because sin affects all of them. Now, there's better forms of government than others and all those kinds of things, but, but sin has broken and destroyed A lot of different things. And so what Stephen pointed out is that we were created for community and relationship with God and man. And and sin has destroyed all of that. But in the Garden of Eden that he talked about, that was God's design for us. And I love how he described it. He said, ultimately, shalom, the peace of God, is shorthand for the way the world is meant to be. Sometimes when we hear shalom and we think of the peace of God, but it is so much more than that. It is the wholehearted contentment and fulfillment of what God has designed us for. And Stephen brought up the cultural mandate, which is going to tie in our justice, our mercy, our compassion. All of those things that we're going to talk about through this series are tied into that that cultural mandate Uh, that that was mentioned. We were given a cultural mandate to pursue shalom because it reflects the character and the nature of God to the world around us. When we talk about the peace of God, we're not just talking about being content and happy uh, with how things are going in our life. Because in the midst of difficult trials and tribulation, we can talk to the world about the peace of God because because it is the transcendent, confidence that everything is going to be okay, not because things are going well, but because we know the God who is in control of all things. A couple things that, that Stephen just quickly mentioned that I want to make sure that we, we highlight, talking about the character and nature of God that will be important for us tonight, Deuteronomy 32.4. Tells us this, and we're going to jump around to a lot of passages of scripture. Some that I'm only going to just read uh, are not going to be on the screen, but most of them will be on the screen uh, for us tonight. But we're going to move around a lot because we have uh, two different topics really to cover tonight. Deuteronomy 32:4 says, "The Rock, His work is perfect; for all His ways are justice. A God of faithfulness and without iniquity, just and upright is He." We know God is is full of justice. He is just. It is who God is. And so so justice must be part of how we communicate the shalom, the peace, the reconciliation, the the contentment, the, the fulfillment of God, the relationship of God, and all that that means to the world around us. We must communicate just and justice. In Psalm 145, 9 tells us, the Lord is good to all and his mercy is over all that he has made. We, we see, we, I could have picked out a hundred different verses on the mercy of God that, that would point us to the fact that our God is merciful. And we know that. We know that because of we have received his mercy in our own life. We, we, we understand. We could point to, to countless verses on God's mercy, on his compassion, on all of those different things, but that is wrapped up in our mandate that we are supposed to communicate to the world. God designed us to have this perfect, peaceful relationship with him where we are reconciled, where we walk in harmony with him. But sin has destroyed that. The breakdown of shalom is sin. And so that is really wh- what he shared with us Tonight. And so this week, I want us to I want us to to stop as we're going about in our daily lives. Every once in a while this week, I just want you to stop, no matter where you are, and look at the world around you. Look at the world around you and and just pause and observe. If you do that, it will be very easy for you to see brokenness. Right? I, I I can stop and look at my own life. I can look at my own home. I can look at Yes, even the, the, my work environment here at the church, there's, there's brokenness all around us, right? My office is chaos. It's disorganized. Our relationships are strained. We have harsh words. We have feelings that, that well up inside us. And then when we look around at the unsaved world, we see brokenness. It is obvious when we look around and observe the world that, that there is not shalom. There is not the peace of God. And so as we explore gospel-shaped mercy, we have to have this concept of what does that mean? What was it that we were designed for? What is this peace? And so so we're going to look at a lot of different passages of Scripture, and we're going to explore the direct connection that Scripture gives us between a right relationship with God and the peace, the contentness, the contentedness, and all those things that that go hand-in-hand with shalom. And as Tim was briefly sharing from the introduction to the book of Ephesians, there really could have been no better introduction for tonight than what he shared this morning. When he uh, described, as Paul greeted the church, he he greeted them with grace and peace, a very common greeting that Paul shared with others. Because, Because to have the shalom of God, we must have the grace of God. And I loved how he explained that. He said, because shalom is to know the fullness of God in Christ Jesus and live that out every day in your life. And so that's what we're going to be exploring tonight, and we're going to be looking at what does does the Bible say about shalom, and we're going to be asking simple questions, and we're going to begin with what is shalom? What is shalom? shalom because i think we talk about it a lot and we talk about how it means the peace of god but we have to have the deeper fuller scriptural understanding of it if we're really going to apply it to our lives and to our mercy and to our ministry to the world around us psalm 119 165 tells us this it says great peace have those who love your law nothing can make them stumble when Psalm 119 is talking about this great peace that we can have, it's talking about the great shalom that we can have in God, and we get that from loving the law of God. We get that from from understanding who God is. We get that from from the Israelites got that from the the first five books of the Old Testament, telling them about the character and the nature of God. And when we when they loved that law, when they would when they would. Give their life to knowing and understanding what the Pentateuch meant and told them about who their God is. Knowing that would give them peace. Knowing who God is would give them the comfort that they seek. And and when we know that, nothing can make us stumble. The good that we come across in life, the trials we come across in life, the tribulation that we may face, none of that can take that peace away from us that that we can have from knowing who God is is. Psalm eighty-five eight tells us this let me hear what God the Lord will speak. For he will speak peace to his people, to his saints, but let them not turn back to folly. The peace that we have from knowing God, we 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 get that peace from listening to the word of God speak. So as a people of God, if we want to know the peace of God, the shalom of God, we must willing to sit as we're doing now and pour into the word and hear God speak to us. We must be willing to allow our brothers and sisters in Christ to come with with a challenge to us from God's word and say, you know what, I, I really think this needs to change in your life. We need to be open to allowing God's word to speak into our lives, not just say, hey, you know what, I've done a great job in in 2018. I haven't missed a day of devotions. Well, what's God been teaching you? Well, I'm not sure what God's been teaching me. I've just been doing devotions. No, we need to hear God's word and let it pour into our lives. If we want to be able to understand the, the character and nature of God and to know his peace, to know his shalom, we must let God's word speak into our lives. And then not turn back from the things that we hear. Not turn back from the things that someone may challenge us with. Not turn back from the things that we read in his word. And Jesus, when he was with his disciples, challenged them with some of these same kinds of thoughts about what it means to know the peace, the shalom of God. In John 16, 33, he said to his disciples, I have said these things to you, that in me you may have peace. In the world you will have tribulation, but take heart, I have overcome the world. Jesus was sharing with his disciples that, yes, the the sin that was brought into this world broke the peace of God. It broke the shalom of God. But take heart, I, Jesus, have overcome the world. I will bring a full restoration to the shalom of God. So peace is the hope of Christ in this world. Peace is the only hope of, Christ is the only hope of peace in this world. We may be surrounded by tribulation, we may face difficulties, we may face trials, but Jesus wants his disciples, those who know him, to take heart because he has overcome the world. And the only way that anyone in this world can know true and genuine and lasting peace, the true shalom of God, is for us to introduce them to the Lord Jesus Christ. For us to share the love of Jesus with them. And so that leads us to another question then. If shalom is so important to scripture, then, then you and I have to say, okay, so how, how do we get this shalom? How do we make sure that people around us get this shalom? And, and this is nothing more than simply the gospel. And since we just came off the Christmas season, Uh, A verse of scripture was was on my mind that dealt with both the gospel and with peace. I I thought of Isaiah 9, 6, where where we received the promise of, of the Messiah. For unto us a child is born, unto us a son is given, and the government will be upon his shoulder, and his name will be called Wonderful, Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. The only way that we can have this peace, the only way the world can have this peace, is for us to acknowledge that Jesus is the Messiah. Jesus is who he said he is. He had come to be the mighty God, the everlasting Father. He had come to be the Prince of Peace, the one who would restore peace to this broken, fallen world. And so, because Jesus is that one, he also then, we're, we're going to jump ahead to the, uh, Isaiah 53, where we have a, a promise of, of what Jesus the Messiah would be when he came. And, and Isaiah 53 tells us, but he was pierced for our transgressions, he was crushed for our iniquities. Upon him was the chastisement that brought us peace. And with his wounds, we are healed. The only way that we can have peace is for someone to, to pay the penalty for our brokenness, and that's what Christ the Messiah did for us. So why is all of this so important? Because, because without what Jesus did for us, without his atonement for our sins, without him taking the penalty for our sins, we could not have peace with God. And so when we look around in the world and we see brokenness, it shouldn't make us go, oh man, woe is us for we live in this world of brokenness. We live in this world where there is no peace. No, it should cause us to, to cry out in our, in our hearts, Oh Lord, help us to share with them the peace that you would want for them. Help us to want to go to them and, and go into this brokenness and be the light of the gospel so that they might know your peace. Help us not to just like curse the darkness. Help us, help us to see that brokenness and desire the restoration that comes through Christ. Colossians one nineteen and 20 is not gonna be on the screen. It says, for in him all the fullness of God was pleased to dwell and through him to reconcile to himself all things, whether on earth or in heaven, making peace by the blood of Christ. Jesus is the only one that can make peace. For the brokenness in this world and we need to make sure that we know that peace ourselves and then that we're willing to share that peace with others that only comes through christ more prophecy from the old testament that that helps us to understand the fullness of this peace that christ wants to bring to us is found in micah chapter five verses four and five and he shall stand and shepherd his flock in the strength of the Lord, and in the majesty of the name of the Lord his God, and they shall dwell secure. For now he shall be great to the ends of the earth, and he shall be their peace. There's something beautiful about, about the thought of Jesus standing, shepherding his flock in the strength of the Lord, in the majesty of his name, and, and us the sheep having security, having confidence because he shall be our peace. And so maybe you're here tonight and there's all sorts of craziness going on in your life. And there's all sorts of upheaval going on in your life. We just came through, through holidays which are supposed to be like about peacefulness and quietness. And instead they're oftentimes about craziness and running around and, and wonderful things that, that just can make us so busy. Maybe it's time for us to just reflect on the gospel of Christ and and the peace that he wants to bring to our life and the balance that he wants us to have in in our life of making God our number one priority and restoring that relationship with him first so that we can then have the peace, the shalom of God in our lives. In the Old Testament and the New Testament, and we saw the one who was to come. And in the New Testament, we, we see described for us what Christ did when he came. The promised Messiah came, and he actually fulfilled the promises that he was intended to. And he doesn't just provide a feeling of peace for us. He himself is our peace. He himself took our punishment so that we could have peace with God. So that kind of brings us to a little transition point. If, if that's what peace is, is supposed to be like, because that's what God's designed us for, and, and then we see kind of you know, what peace, uh, how, how we get this shalom, this, this peace with God. And so we have to ask ourselves, what does shalom then look like today? Because you know, when we look around, there isn't any peace in the world around us. Like I said, there's all so much brokenness. But like so many concepts in Scripture, we see this balance of already and not yet. We see the already because, because Scripture tells us that Jesus is our peace. And, and so when we know Christ is our Savior, we have peace with God. But the reality is, is there's still a lot of brokenness around us. And so we have already received the peace of God, but he hasn't completely fulfilled it yet because that part's still to come. We, we see other examples... Uh, of this when, when the New Testament talks about eternal life and, and Paul talks about in, in like present perfect language that, that you have received redemption. You are not just redeemed now, you have the guarantee of being redeemed. You have eternal life. And, and although right now we will die, we, we have that promise of eternal life that is yet to come. So we have this already, this tension between what God has already promised and provided for us and guaranteed for us, but hasn't come to fulfillment completely yet. And we see this kind of played out in Romans chapter 8, verses 23 through 25 We we have the first fruits of the Spirit. We've been guaranteed eternal life, but it's not fully completed yet. So we as believers in the Lord Jesus Christ should be groaning inwardly. Oh Lord, we, we want this restoration to be full and complete. Jesus, come back to restore this world and restore this brokenness that is so evident in the world around us. And I think sometimes as, as Christians, we often say things like, Maranatha, oh Lord, come. And, and we talk about, oh, wouldn't it be great if Jesus would just come back and, and take us to heaven where we could uh, no longer have this brokenness in the world around us? But what I really hope we get from this series on gospel shaped mercy is as much as we are longing for heaven in the perfect shalom and peace that we will have forever in the presence of our Lord and Savior. As much as we long for that, we also have to be mindful that if Jesus were to come right now, all of those without Christ would be condemned to eternal life without that shalom, without that peace. And that's one of the things at the heart of this series on gospel-shaped mercy is that we who have received the peace of God, the shalom of God, should be people who who are most wanting and most desiring and, and most passionate about seeing the world around us to have and to know that peace. Because we know the peace of God, because we understand what it means to have that right relationship with him, we should long to see others around us. So, so even though shalom doesn't look like that in our world today, we should want to be people that, that desire to see that in the lives of our friends, of our neighbors, of our loved ones. So as a church, we cannot shy away from, from words like mercy and justice and compassion. And I get it. When we hear a word like social justice, it like just sends up so many red flags. Because remember the brokenness that we already talked about? There's no doubt in my mind that, that when the world hears a word like social justice, or when the world hears a word like justice, they get all the wrong impressions you know they think oh that means you know a liberal agenda and it means you know punishing this and it, we shouldn't be worried about what they think it means when the world hears justice we as christians should be willing to proclaim to them what it really means how justice means because we serve a holy and righteous and just god who does no wrong who loves and and, and has compassion on others and shows mercy Because we know that God, we should be the people who are most passionate about pursuing justice in the world around us. R.C. Sproul recently went home to be with the Lord, but he has this quote that convicts me a little as it talks about justice in our world and in some of these concepts. He says, if I... I am a model of personal righteousness. I am just a great righteous dude. This is R.C., and he's now with the Lord, so he can say things like this. Well, he can't say them now, but I can read what he said. If I'm a model of personal righteousness, that does not excuse my participation in social evil. The man who is faithful to his wife while he exercises bigotry toward his neighbor is no better than the adulterer who crusades for social justice. What God requires is justice, both personal and social. God requires not just a just heart before him. God requires us to live with a just heart toward others. Why? Because he's created us to, to be the shalom of this world. Jesus died so that we could he could bring peace to this world. And, and that's what we should be passionate about doing, is bringing the shalom of God, bringing the, the peace that comes from having a understanding of who Christ is as Savior to the world around us. Another, I don't even know if I should call him a, a contemporary of R.C. Sproul because I guess he's a contemporary of R.C. Sproul. They, they, they served the church and they served Christianity so well for, for years and years. And a man that I greatly admire and love to read his books is, is Jerry Bridges. And Jerry Bridges says this, he says, contrary to popular opinion, With God, there is no such thing as mere forgiveness, there is only justice. With God, there's no such thing as mere forgiveness, there's only justice. And when I read that quote, I thought, I don't know about that. And I think of passages of Scripture like Micah 6.8, He has shown thee, or He has shown me, Oh God, uh, He has shown, shown thee O man what is good and what the lord requires of you to do justice to love mercy to walk humbly with your god The, the only way that you and i have peace with with god is because he is a just god who had to punish sin but he didn't punish it in me he put it on christ he punished my sin in the body of christ so god is a just god so there's not just forgiveness. He doesn't just say, hey, I forgot about your sins. Have peace. Jesus took my sin and yours and the sins of all who would believe in him. And so there, with God, there's no, there's no mere forgiveness, but justice. And that's convicting to me because sometimes that word justice has the, the negative connotation that I don't think it should have. And you and I need to to be trendsetters and saying that, all right, our world needs shalom. Our world needs peace. And so we must be the ones who help them to see that if they're crying out for peace, they're really crying out for justice. And that justice only comes from a right relationship with God. But again, when we look around the world, there's no doubt that we don't see that. We've been promised peace. We've been promised justice. And we've been promised the mercy of God. We've been promised some of these things, but so we have the already of those promises, but there is the not yet. But oh, the beauty that God has given us a glimpse of what that perfect relationship with Him is supposed to look like. Turn in your Bibles to the end. Or if you want, you can just read along as I read it. Revelation 21, verses 1 through 8. Too many verses to put on the screen. But in Revelation 21, verses 1 through 8, we see what shalom will look like for eternity. Revelation 21 verses 1 through 8 answer that question for us. What will shalom look like for eternity? This already not yet tension isn't going to be forever. Someday that's going to all be gone and we'll only have the perfect peace of God. We'll only have the perfect shalom of God. We'll only have the perfect relationship with God that comes because his justice punished sin and we have forgiveness and in revelation 21 verses 1 through 8 we read then i saw a new heaven and a new earth for the first heaven and the first earth had passed away and the sea was no more and i saw the holy city new jerusalem coming down out of heaven from god prepared as a bride adorned for her husband and i heard a loud voice from the throne saying behold the dwelling place of god is with man that's another one of those concepts of the already, not yet. We have the promised Holy Spirit living with us. But, but when Christ returns and we go to glory, or whichever might come first, we have, we have that beautiful promise of, behold, the dwelling place of God is with man. There won't, there won't be any more of, okay, the Holy Spirit is in us. We will be able to be with God. I'd say 24-7, 365, but in eternity I don't think time will matter. So I don't know what numbers I would throw there. But forever we'll be able to bask in the presence of God and his dwelling place will be with us. And it continues, he will dwell with them and they will be his people. We're already his people, but but permanently we will have the peace, the shalom of God. And God himself will be with them as their God. He will wipe away every tear from their eyes and death will be no more. Neither shall there be mourning or crying or pain anymore, for the former things had passed away. When there's a new heaven and a new earth, we won't have to worry about hurt and pain and death and sorrow and mourning and crying. All of those things will be gone forever. We have the promise of that now, and someday we'll have that as we're face-to-face with our God. Verse 5 continues, And he who is seated on the throne said, Behold, I am making all things new. Also he said, Write this down, for these words are trustworthy and true. And he said to me, It is done. I am the Alpha and the Omega, the beginning and the end. To the thirsty I will give from the spring of water of life without payment. The one who conquers will have this heritage, and I will be his God, and he will be my son. But as for the cowardly, the faithless, the detestable, as for the murderers, the sexual, sexually immoral, sorcerers, idolaters, and all liars, their portion will be in the lake that burns with fire and sulfur, which is the second death. Verse 6, God says it is done. When, when we come to that point, it will be it is done. There will, be no more, there will be no more need for us to look around and see brokenness and to see pain because there will only be perfect justice. There will only be perfect compassion. There will only be perfect mercy to one another. There will be no more hurts and pains. All of it will be made new and all of it will be done. And that's the day that we should long for. But we shouldn't long for that day in such a way that it causes us to say, Oh, Lord, I, I just hate what's going on around me. We can, we can despise the, the horrible, wicked things and the brokenness that we see in our world. But it should cause us with great compassion and great mercy to want to do something about it. But the only way that that can happen is to go back to the beginning of the story. First, we have to have that fixed, fixed relationship with the vertical relationship with our Heavenly Father. That's the only way that we ourselves can have that peace. And then we can, we can work on restoring that horizontal relationship with, with people around us. We can look with them loving, we can look on them with loving kindness instead of, of, of despising their brokenness. And we can long for them to have that restored relationship with their Heavenly Father. And then when, we, when we're working with people who know that, that peace, the shalom that comes from a right relationship with God, then we can bring restoration to, to school systems and governments and, and workplaces and all of the systems and structures that are in place in our world around us. And when we are doing all of those things, we will be making sure that, that people around us hear about the peace of God. We'll be sure that they're hearing about the good news of Jesus Christ, who, who is a God of justice, because he took our penalty for us. That's what gospel-shaped mercy looks like. And that's why this concept of, of shalom is so important to, to guiding and, and directing and governing how we act as individuals and as a church. And so I hope that, that you will continue to come and to hear the, the, the men who are going to be challenging us with some of these different concepts throughout this series. And as they're, as they're challenging us, kind of have in the back of your mind this thought of that God, God's blueprint for the world was, was a blueprint of shalom. He created us for community with him. And because of the brokenness, the only way is back. The only way back to that is through Christ. And that's what gospel-shaped mercy really looks like, sharing that gospel message in love to others so that they can know the shalom of God. Before Mike comes and closes us in song, let's pray together. Father, thank you. Thank you that even though you were a God of justice who must punish sin, that you made a way for our sin to be forgiven because you placed it on your Son, Jesus Christ. We thank you that the gospel message means that by faith, if we will receive the gift of salvation, the gift of forgiveness, the gift of restoration that comes through the power of the gospel, that we can have a restored relationship with you and we can know your shalom, your peace. Father, I pray that you'd help us to be a people of peace. Help us to look around us at the world and not curse the darkness, but desire for those that are outside that don't know your peace, that don't know your salvation. Help us to reach out to them with the good news of Christ that he became sin for us so that in him we might become his righteousness. Father, help us to be governed by that. Help us to be people of love, of compassion, and of mercy. Use this series as we continue on in in these next weeks to challenge our hearts to live in a way that draws people to a relationship with you, a God of love, justice, and peace. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.